Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, June 23rd. We begin with another edition of Ask the Doctor, focusing on COVID-19 questions sent in by you, the listener. As always, we're joined by Dr. Craig Janney, infectious disease specialist at the University of Calgary, as we try to stump him and never manage to do it. And what effect uh, has the pandemic had on minor medical procedures and treatments? And will there be lasting effects as we move back to normal? We get the results of new research on the topic from a professor of health policy. It's been a very long intermission, but entertainment is finally starting to ramp back up. We find out what the Jubilee Auditorium has planned with their summer event series called Jube Fest. And finally, today is the first ever Differences Day, a day to come together and celebrate our differences in support of the Special Olympics. We get details from a huge supporter of the initiative, Dragon's Den star and creator of the Joe Fresh brand, Joe Mimran. We say good morning once again to Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor in the Department of Microbiology, Immunology and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. Good morning to you once again, Dr. Janney. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. We'd like to, A, put any question on the table for you. You answer them in in plain English, but also we'd like to dispel myths, conspiracies, and rumors. And this is one that really uh, caught my attention online. I want to put it to you for your response. It reads... I find it pretty alarming how many deaths that are occurring from the vaccine that are not being reported. I personally know people, and I have also quite a few friends who know people who have literally died two to three weeks after taking the second shot. Uh, It's the nerve systems and mass organ failure, the cause of deaths. What is your take on that statement? Yeah, I don't honestly know where these... uh these reports come from because in Canada all vaccines are tracked and there's an open disclosure open mapping of that and anybody can look these up at the health infobase.canada.ca and it breaks it down to not only the frequency but also the exact you know adverse event and yes there have been deaths that have followed vaccines and they're very small. So currently in Canada, there's about 100 deaths that have been associated with a time frame around vaccines. Already of those, half of them have been determined to be unlikely related to the vaccine. So somebody gets vaccinated, if, for example, they're actually, you know, it's hard to explain. If they're even hit by a car, that's reported as an adverse event following vaccine. And then there's an investigation. Right. So there's 100 deaths being reported. More than half have already been determined not to be related to the vaccine. An additional 40%, there's not enough information to link it to a vaccine. And there are a handful of deaths, about six, that are directly related, and those are largely due to plotting. So six deaths in Canada out of 20 million doses administered. If we think of Alberta alone, we've lost more than 2,000 Albertans to COVID versus six deaths nationwide that have been clearly linked to the vaccine. Thank you for that. Okay, next question is uh, somebody not happy with this logic. They say, if you suffer symptoms after your shot, it's a good thing because it shows your immune system has recognized a foreign substance and is fighting it. But they also say, if you don't suffer any side effects, then you're just as protected. So this person a little confused with that. Yeah, it's 
because everybody's body is different. Everybody's immune response is different. And some of those people will have a, a slightly closer to the surface reaction with their immune system. So it'll be red. It'll be swollen. Other people, the vaccine will actually drain more quickly to their lymph nodes. They may see swelling in a lymph node, but no redness at the site. And other people may have no symptoms. But that does not mean that your body's not seeing it and responding to it. So we have very clear evidence on that, that people with no indication they've received the vaccine still develop a very powerful immune response. This next question says, uh, Dr. Janney, we are a family of four, two adults and two children ages seven and five, with both adults fully vaccinated. What protocols should we be following to keep the children safe from COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. And again, something we're, we're all or, or many of us are dealing with as we move forward. So the the problem is, is until a vaccine is approved for those children, there is no uh, absolute way to protect them. So they're doing the best they can. Uh, having family members vaccinated creates a little bit of a bubble, but you then also have to assess which activities you're doing in the community. So if you're doing things that would put an adult, for example, at high risk, extended indoor uh, activities with lots of other people, that might put the children at risk too. So this is where we do recommend individual decisions based on personal family risk, but also simple things, continuing to wear a mask, when you can't physically separate, I've been shown to be very protective. They've gotten us through the pandemic so far, and we can keep using those whether there's a bylaw in place or not. Dr. Janney, will there be a vaccine developed specifically for this Delta variant? So currently there are uh, additional vaccines in development that were based on likely variants, so they might provide better coverage. Right now the good news is the, the vaccines are still providing reasonable coverage against severe disease. So I think to be honest, the, the vaccine performance against Delta is actually what we were optimistic to get against all variants. So I think the vaccines that were designed are actually performing better than we had ever hoped. And what we're seeing now is less uh, effective against Delta. It was still well within what we we're hoping the vaccines could do. If we lose further protection with a new variant, I think we will absolutely need a vaccine. But right now, I do not think there's a big urgency to get a Delta-specific boost, but rather to be planning for that next variant down the road. Dr. Janney, can you stick around for two more minutes? Sure. Good stuff. We are back with Dr. Craig Janney, who's our infectious disease specialist from the U of C with your COVID-related questions that he is answering for us. Uh, good morning again, Dr. Janney. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, how about this one? Any update from you on when the Canadian Novavax vaccination or vaccine might be approved? Do we know anything more about that one? No, I haven't heard anything uh, regarding any of the early clinical trials on that. So uh, unfortunately, yeah, just no idea. It'd be nice to have another tool in the in the mm-hmm. tool chest here, but uh, no update. <laughs> Next question about the timing of the second vaccine. Uh, this one uh, says, I had my second Pfizer shot on June 4th. Is it okay for me to not wear a mask if I'm working at a party of 50 people July 3rd, a month later? So a month later, you will have optimal protection. But, you know, as we've heard, the Delta virus is here in Calgary. It can infect people that are double vaccinated, although the good news is really reduced risk of severe disease. So you're personally protected. If you happen to catch the Delta variant, or we don't know yet, and there is some evidence, you can still transmit that. So if there are other people at the event that are not vaccinated, then you pose a risk to them. Now, if this event was everybody was double vaccinated with the, that appropriate time gap, it'd be very safe. But if there's a mixed 
group of, of immunized and non-immunized people in that room, there is a risk of transmitting the virus to those that might still be uh, unvaccinated. Dr. Jenny, if someone has recovered from COVID, is there a wait time before then they would get their first dose of vaccine? And, and what might that wait period be? Yeah, that wait period is several weeks. I, I'm not sure of the exact number, but some of that guidance is provided on the NACI website and on the US CDC do have guidelines on how long after that, uh, that, that initial 10-day period you would wait to get vaccinated. But they are encouraged to get vaccinated because the vaccine does provide longer memory and better coverage against the variants. This next question is about the effect of the vaccine on youth. It says, is heart inflammation something that can occur in youth after a vaccination? So the, the honest answer is we don't know. What we are seeing is increased reports of swelling of the heart or the lining around the heart in some younger people, predominantly males, after they get their second dose of an mRNA vaccine. Now, these numbers are so small at the moment that we can't directly link them to the vaccine. So what we're seeing is this uptick in, in identified cases following the, the same uptick in, in vaccine delivery in, the, in this group of individuals. Now, part of the reason is we're looking for it. So, so these might be happening in, in younger males anyway, and now we're seeing it because we're looking for it. But there is a full investigation. The good news is, again, that these tend to be mild, and the ones that are identified are effectively treated by a physician. So we're not seeing any potential life-threatening result but it is something we're concerned about something we're watching and something we expect to, to perhaps get updated guidance on in the next couple of weeks dr Jenny, just a few more seconds but uh, apparently we have a shortage of vaccine in alberta do we know when more is coming specifically the pfizer yeah no we don't and there is a shortage uh, you know some of us trying to book our second doses uh, found out our closest vaccine center is fort mcleod apparently wow um so yes uh, the, the only advice is to check the pharmacies and also to keep trying. Uh, once that vaccine is secured, those additional uh, booking slots will open up and we'll be able to get people in. But this is that, that critical piece. We need people to get that second shot. And unfortunately, we're seeing it, it be a little bit delayed here. So as we proceed to reopening, you know, individuals will have to make decisions about what is safe for them and, and what may not be yet. Answered a lot of questions once again. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Jenny. You guys are welcome. Take care. You too. Dr. Craig Janney, Associate Professor, Department of Microbiology, Immunology, and Infectious Diseases at the University of Calgary. Throughout the pandemic, people were avoiding treatments and tests because they were afraid to go to the hospital. Some even dying needlessly of ailments that could have been treated if they had gone in. A pair of Ontario doctors have written an opinion piece saying they've also seen fewer people with minor problems coming into hospitals and ERs, which is a good thing. Joining us now is Dr. Karen Bourne, who is co-author of the piece. Good morning, doctor. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. And I should clarify, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm a health services researcher and professor at the School of Public Health here at the University of Toronto. My co-author on the op-ed, Dr. Ken Melm, is an emergency uh, physician well, in say, Ontario. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. And, and thank you uh, for taking the time to join us and, and talk about this. So, I mean, obviously there are goods and bads to how this played out through the pandemic, but with fewer people going in with minor problems, that must have helped things even unrelated to COVID. Yes, absolutely. We know that before the pandemic, up to 30% 
of all healthcare is low value to patients. So sometimes, for example, people might have gone to the emergency department for a problem that could have been treated within a primary care setting. During the pandemic, of course, emergency departments were stretched due to COVID. And so it offered this opportunity where people were seeking care potentially in more appropriate places or avoiding care that they didn't even need in the first place. What are some of the factors, if you can break them down for us, that send people with minor medical issues to hospitals and ERs versus going to their family doctor? Right. That's a great question. And there's a lot of complicated factors. Sometimes people don't have access to a family doctor. Sometimes people are anxious and want um, their concerns addressed. But we also know, for example, that if you go to an emergency department, let's say with Um, minor back pain, you might end up getting an imaging test like an MRI or an x-ray, which you don't need. And perhaps at the family doctor, because the imaging tests aren't available right there, often in the primary care setting, uh, there'll be more of a conversation about ways to treat that without an imaging test. So, I mean, are there lessons to be learned then? Is this sort of on us as potential patients to ask the question, do I really need this treatment? Do I really need to go into the hospital or can I just talk to my doctor? Those sorts of things. Yeah, that's a really great question. So I work at Choosing Wisely Canada. We're a national healthcare campaign. We partner with specialty societies representing Canada's doctors to develop recommendations around tests, treatments, and procedures that are low value and don't offer um, don't offer um, high value care to patients and really don't add value to people. And that's exactly at at the core of our campaign is really trying to empower patients to have conversations with their doctors Mm -hmm. when they go to their doctor saying, you know, do I really need that test treatment or procedure? Are there harms? Are there downsides? Are there simpler or safer options? And what happens if I wait or do nothing? I think we saw with a pandemic, a lot of people delayed going to see their doctors or going to the emergency department for some of those minor issues that you're talking about. And a lot of them resolved on their own without a need for invasive tests or um, additional follow-up. Karen, I'm wondering, whereas nobody has a crystal ball, uh, did your research offer up any insight as to whether or not people would remain reticent to to seek out treatments that they might need post-pandemic just due to anxiety? Did we lose Dr. Karen? Bourne? I think I stumped her. I think <laughs> I don't think that you did, but I do think that we did lose the call, unfortunately. Sometimes people hang up when I start talking. What can I tell you? <laughs> oh, no, that man. was really interesting, though, and I think that, you know, we know that that was a, an issue, that we yeah. know that people were staying back and not doing, you know, some of the really vital treatments that they needed, perhaps. Yeah. But also, maybe it is a, a good, you know, the, there have been some positives that have come out of this, and perhaps that's one of them that we think twice before, you know, rushing to a, an ER or the hospital, yeah. for example, when it's something that we could, you know, otherwise deal with, maybe with a doctor or a walk-in clinic. And you got to give a tip of the hat to AHS. I am uh, one of probably, what, how many thousands across the province who actually had surgery during the pandemic. Yes. Yeah. I had to do, do, it was a long time coming on my ankle, and uh, I can't say enough about how safe I felt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, may, it took a little bit longer, for sure. Uh, but, you know, if you're if you're having a, in any sort of ailment, there's no need not to have it addressed in some fashion. And a lot of times, yeah, you can do it by phone. Absolutely. That's your first step, perhaps. And that's, I think, a good, uh, you know, fallout as well is that, that we now are able to access our doctors via phone and video conference call, which I hope will be something that stays in place for some time. Oh, yeah. uh, just to remind you, that was Dr. Karen Bourne, Assistant Professor, Institute of Health Policy Management and Evaluation at the Dalla School of Public Health at the University of Toronto, as well as Knowledge Transi- Translation Lead at Choosing Wisely Canada.
It has been a long intermission, but Alberta's Jubilees are back. Starting this weekend with their drive-in backlot music series here in Calgary. Joining us with details is Jonathan Love, Executive Director of the Jubilees in both Calgary and Edmonton. Good morning to you, Jonathan. Andy, nice to talk to you, my friend. How are you? Good. Uh, yes, nice to hear your voice. And particularly, we're going to talk about live entertainment coming back to our province and specifically the city of Calgary. So tell us about this series. Tell us what's going on with the doors are reopening for live entertainment. Well, as you said, I mean, it has been a long intermission. And then people are kind of chomping at the bit to, to get back to live performance. But we want to make sure that we're doing it safely. And so we've uh, concocted something called JubeFest, which will be outdoor activations at the Jubilee Auditorium. And it's going to start up this Friday and Saturday. We're excited to have blues guitar legend Tim Williams playing on Friday. And he's going to be playing a parking lot show. We call it Backlot Music. And uh, people are going to be enjoying it much like uh, a lot of entertainment these days from the comfort of their own vehicle so that you can... uh, remain cohorted in that type of thing. You'll be able to hear him on uh, FM transmitter, sort of like a, a drive-in movie, and it's going to be fantastic. Then Saturday night, we follow up with, uh, with Dave Morton, who's a staple, uh, a Calgary legend, works a lot with these singers of Calgary and, uh, and a great friend. So he's also an incredible singer, songwriter, and performer that, uh, that everyone's going to enjoy. So once again, the, the performers are safe because they're solo artists. The audience is safe because they're in their cars. And we all get to enjoy some live music. Jonathan, that is awesome. And I, if people have been just, you know, chomping at the bit trying to get back and, and see this live stuff. So we're super thrilled about it. And obviously it'll be in the Jube parking lot. And what if I'm, you know, what if I'm hungry or thirsty while I'm watching the show? Oh, good, good question, Sue, for sure. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's drive-in rules. You need a snack pack. <laughs> so we've got snack packs available. We've uh, teamed up with some... Uh, some local producers. Uh, Troubled Monk has some incredible sodas that we uh, that we have available. Uh, Cashew Baking uh, is going to provide some cookies, so there's going to be a little bit of a uh, little bit of sweet, little bit a little bit of savory, and some sodas that you can enjoy uh, with your cohort or family as you uh, as you enjoy the music at the Jube. All right, let's uh, talk about when we can get back indoors. What, what will that look like as far as the spacing and the COVID protocol? Well, right now, actually, we're under a, a maintenance project over the summer. One of the things that's been uh, incredible about this uh, this intermission is we've been able to get these Jubilees ship shape. I mean, they're, they haven't looked this good since they opened 60-odd years ago. <laughs> so we're, we're going to be ready for all your favorites, Broadway, your Live Nation, Alberta Ballet, uh, Calgary Opera, and that type of thing. But we're looking at the fall right now to be able to do this safely. We're working with the government of Alberta and, of course, AHS, just to make sure that uh, that everything is fine because we have a 2,500-seat venue. And I don't think, uh, you know, even if restrictions are open up right away, we're just going to open the doors and, uh, and make that happen. We want to make sure that we're moving gradually into a, a safe space so that people can enjoy live performance again. We're ready to get back at it. Thanks so much for joining us, Jonathan. We can't wait. Sue, Andy, thank you so much. Looking forward to seeing you at Jube Fest. And you too. Thanks, Jonathan. Jonathan Love is the executive director of the Jubilees in Calgary and Edmonton. Of course, you also know him as one of Calgary's own heebie-jeebies. Yes. The first ever Differences Day is today, June 23rd, a day of national recognition designed to celebrate our many differences. And joining us to explain a little more is Joe Mimran, Dragon's Den star, Joe Fresh founder and creator of Rise Little Earthling. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for joining us. 
Good morning. A pleasure to be with you. Well, pleasure to have you on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about this very first Differences Day and, and why you felt it was so important to get involved? Yes, well, we're really excited to be partnering with the Special Olympics Canada team uh, for the first ever Differences Day. And Rise Little Earthling is a new socially conscious, uh, multidimensional brand for, uh, you know, little ones aged zero to six. And um, it really aligns very much with the brand ethos and where we believe we can play a role in helping to shape our future leaders. So, um, you know, uh, when when you have a, a charity like this, a Special Olympics uh, event like this, and the ability for us to give back, uh, Rise Little Earthling is available at Toys R Us exclusively and also online. And we will be donating 10% of our sales uh, on Saturday uh, to the Special Olympics. And for anybody... Uh, with, uh, you know, with children and their family with intellectual disabilities, we know that they face many challenges, uh, both big and small every day. And, uh, participation in sports, uh, is, is a way to help transform their lives and, uh, and also to, um, you know, celebrate the fact that they are, you know, there are differences and we should, uh, you know, we should be cognizant of that. Joe, we read off your credentials at the top of this segment there. You're obviously a very busy gentleman, and so you have a very limited free time. So why is it that this cause that you choose to focus your energy on? What's your personal uh, connection there? Well, my personal connection is my own, my own daughter has uh, intellectual disabilities, so it, uh, it really strikes a chord for me. Um, it's something that... Um, uh, for many families, um, you know, they, they will have a steep, uh, steep, uh, learning curve on how to manage it and how to deal with it. And, and, uh, and yet, uh, you know, these are very special individuals. And one thing we have to ensure that, uh, you know, it is a, an inclusive society and that the, these, uh, these very special people get the opportunity uh, to participate like everyone else. And I think, uh, again, it is at the very heart of our brand and, you know, it's something that we truly believe in. And Joe, I mean, it's important, isn't it, that we, we get and reach these kids and teach them at a young age. You, you talked about inclusivity, about celebrating individuality. When we can teach that at a very, very young age, we're just growing up a whole a whole lot of kids who are going to grow into really, really good people and good adults eventually. It, it, exactly. And we, we have uh, also launched an uh, affirmation-based podcast that you can find on Apple. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was uniquely designed for kids uh, newborn to age six, and it centers around affirmations for kids. Uh, It's been narrated by Canadian musician Lights, and it was uh, developed as a gift to to our new community uh, of shoppers, and and it helps to grow a healthy mindset. You know, my, my mother used to always say I was the greatest thing since sliced bread, and I remember her telling me that as a young boy. And uh, it is so important to give these positive affirmations on a daily basis. Yeah. And it actually can change yeah. uh, the structure of one's brain and, and can really help uh, to, grow, uh, to grow our future leaders. Well, we'll have to leave it there for time, Joe, but a great message. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much.
Thank you. That's Joe Mimran, a Dragon's Den star, Joe Fresh, founder and creator of Rise Little Earthling. To learn more about Differences Day, hop online at specialolympics.ca. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.